Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective. And I am the head hauntress. Um, so, this is our recap episode. We always do it this time of year. San Diego Comic Con is coming gone, as has Midsummer Scream. And so, we're going to definitely do recaps of those tonight. And um, we have a special guest. Um, his name is Michael Kingston, and he is the owner of Head- Headlocked Comics. Uh, he actually, him and I have been Facebook friends, like, like, free, like, way back in the day, and uh, I met him in person at my first San Diego Comic-Con, and he, I went out of my way to meet him, and uh, there's some interesting stories, because I met a couple other people I had no idea at the time would actually play a relatively pro- prominent part of my current existence, so that's pretty cool. But first, we have some business to take care of, and let me introduce my sexy witches. Let's start in Atlanta, Georgia, the little Hollywood. By the way, happy 100th anniversary to the Hollywood Land sign. It went up today, and also the oldest, yeah. uh, well, the oldest amusement park rides in the country. Oh, in the world, I'm sorry. The High Flyers at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Hey, I did it right that time, Nathan. Uh, also turned 120. <laughs> Hundred and twelve. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you know, so it, there's been some good things, and so little Hollywood here in Georgia, who's eh, right now we're kind of rough. Give 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 all my actor peeps a hug, but please welcome to the show, whether it's good or bad, he's always Henri, the son of Celluloid, the dirty Southern sir himself, Nathan Hamilton. Welcome to the show. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, everything in between. It is wonderful to be here tonight talking to you. Excellent. And we're going to talk some wrestling tonight. Uh, you know, I'm always down for that. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, fly across the flyover state to south, the Southland, the actual Hollywood, Los Angeles themselves. Uh, please welcome to the show. Recently relocated to that area, my co-host and my uh, with the mostest, Raven Jasper Hawk, the Enchantress of Evermore. How you doing? Nevermore. How you doing? I'm well, hanging in. How y'all? Uh, have you seen Good Omens yet, Enchantress of Nevermore? You know I saw it the second it dropped. 
<laughs> I knew. Okay, I knew it. I knew it because I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but I knew, I mean, after all, you are the Enchantress of Nevermore, that you were there probably with bells on. Indeed, and uh, the only sentence I will say is that it is Raven approved. Ah, excellent. All right, well, we'll be right back. Also in the Southland of California, in Orange County, in Buena Park, spitting distance from Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland itself, please welcome to the show, the Warlock of Orange County, my partner in crime when I'm on the West Coast, please welcome to the show, Aaron Winslow, Lee Kogan. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing pretty well. I'm recovering nicely from uh, weeks of conventions and marchings and you know what. You don't sound like you have a lot of con crud considering you did two really big conventions back to back. Yeah, no. Um, you know, there was actually a little spike in the COVID following uh, San Diego Comic-Con, but uh, yep, yep. Santa Maria yeah. somehow... I missed that, and uh, most of the vendors you see are, are pretty careful, and, uh, uh, you know, fingers crossed we'll get through this. Excellent. Um, so I'm glad we're all here, and uh, we are going to do a recap show with you, Aaron, on the, um, probably starting at 930 when our guest calls in, because they were there as mm-hmm. well as a vendor, Mr. Michael Kingston. I met him. And, yeah, I'm glad you got to meet him. He's a cool dude. Known him for a while now. Um, and uh, but first, we um, us Gen Xers kind of took a hit um, the day before yesterday. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not a nostalgia person, but not not even realizing how much this man meant to me indirectly until he actually did pass. Um, I, and now I'm saying that as knowing a lot of people, especially on this uh, in our panel here and out in the nether world are absolutely devastated. I even cried for a moment. Yeah. Um, oh, Paul Rubin passed two days ago, um, had a brief private bout with cancer and died at age 70. Uh, first of all, that he was 70 because he's an eternal child kind of blew my mind. Uh, right. But um, we, have, we have to say something about Paul Rubens. I mean, we do. I mean, he, he uh, as a Gen Xer, um, you know, his show was not only, it was, you know, the Pee Wee's Playhouse. I actually didn't watch it very much, but I know a lot of people oh, who did. Every weekend, and, every Saturday. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I started, you know, of course, people are pouring in with all their condolences. I'm really surprised I haven't heard from Cassandra Peterson or Dan Housen. Yeah. Uh, they are probably in a freaking tailspin, honestly. I mean, more than likely, because they they were really close to him, and and Dan Housen, yeah. who and they, we'll talk about it, it, like emulated him. So, right. Um, um, John Paragon just died recently. I feel like they just had yeah. a funeral for John Paragon. You know, yeah, they did. Um, and uh-huh. it was delayed because of COVID. So uh, the funeral happened much later than his death, so it, it just makes it seem more recent. Yeah, uh, it yeah, no, it, there's a lot of sadness out there, um, but I've also no seen a lot of a lot of warmth because of his mm-hmm. passing. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things I saw today is that the Alamo made a very brief, very sweet statement about him. 
because they have yeah. a very mixed relationship with him. Absolutely. But, they, but he did cause a bounce in tourism, and to this day, people still ask them if there's a basement <laughs> in the Alamo. Um, they say they still hear what it since 1995. What a way to achieve immortality. He's done it in many ways, but I think that one's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's wild, right? Uh, and then um, in, also in the movie, um, he actually, the one and only romance scene he has in the film is in the mouth of a T-Rex. I believe it's in Comscock, yes. Arizona. Is that right? Something like that? No, yeah. I think it's California. It's in California. Is it a California yeah. thing? I, I, I actually... Remember going to it as a kid, but not knowing where it was because it was on a major road trip. Uh, but they painted the front of the dinosaur with a red tie and a button-down shirt. And I was yeah, like, oh, was that's so That's wonderful. in Riverside County, Cabazon. Yeah. I was like, yeah. not that far from you guys. But you should go. go. Not at all. Yeah. You want to go? I love- I'm totally down to go anytime you want. It's Riverside Duck, man. I love There you go. Down. Road trip. Yeah. It. No, it's not even that far of a road trip. From Riverside, it's about yeah. an hour from where. For, it's where like I, an avenue trip. Where, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, every, everywhere is an hour in L.A. because of the traffic. But, right. You know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I always was, like, annoyed when I, when I was stay Aaron, when I stayed at your grandfather's. And we'd have to go. It'd it take me 40 minutes to go get good coffee because, as you know, Grandpa did not drink good coffee. <laughs> so, um, 40 minutes. 40 minutes one way just so I can get a cup of coffee in L.A. Anyway, but I digress, you know, because there's a lot of good things coming out of L.A. Uh, right now. But not the strike, uh, though um, good news on that uh, is that the uh, – the WGA and AMTA is going back to the table on Friday. So, fingers crossed on that. Uh, but getting back Amen. to Pee-wee, uh, Pee-wee, not only, like, he, he did some things that I didn't realize that, like, really affected me in a weird way. One thing is he, he, he kind of single-handedly, him and Henry Selznick, saved Stop Animation um, because it was going away at that point, and... Uh, um, his show had, matter of fact, the guy who did his show, who also had, um, it, he had never done it before. That was the first time he'd actually tried to shoot uh, stop animation and uh, basically created a subgenre of stop animation on the spot. You know, um, he he uh, insisted on Tim Burton directing Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure, who at the time was a risk. He was a risky director. They didn't know what to do with him because he was kind of crazy. Got fired by Disney, and you know, <laughs> people were sure what to do with him. And uh, well, it's fucking Tim Burton. So thank you for that. Muck um, Mother's Ball. He revived his career and made him a composer. Um, you know, it, he he did so much for other people besides himself. And uh, you know he. Uh, the world was a better place with him, ultimately, even with his weird skiffiness he occasionally had. But that's actually okay, because, you know, we're all a little, you're human. We make really stupid, dumb mistakes. I mean, nowadays, that kind of mistake could probably end up canceling you. But, uh, you know, in those days, it was just like, Well, it you did know, before. I mean, well, you know, look at did. He, he got old Johnny career. Ray, as Sexy's Midnight Runner said, you know, he he got caught in the bathroom, and that was the end of his career. Uh, yeah, Pee Wee's thing was, you know, at the time, a 
huge effing deal. I mean, even his supporters, which I very much count myself among, uh, were, you know, saying, uh, you know, come on, dude, VCR. Have you ever heard of videotape? And because um, he was caught in a theater and everyone thought he was done. And then there was the MTV Music Video Awards. Oh, I remember that. came out on stage and holy shit, I... I I, you have to go back and see it yourself. I can describe it to you, but it ain't. If you weren't there and you weren't, you know, surrounded by all the jokes flying around, and oh man, it, it was insane. I know. And he, and he came out with that audience. He came out with the perfect line. The absolute oh my god, perfect line. insanely perfect. Heard any good jokes? And, and he owned it. He fucking owned the audience. Hook, line, and sinker. It was amazing. And once again, Tim Burton, uh, you know, as he discovers Tim Burton, Tim Burton rehires him for his first acting gig for Batman Returns after all of that. So, um, you know, it's all kind of amazing. And Batman Returns was playing at my first job. So, Hmm. you know, the whole world kind of revolved around and directly around Huey Herman in some ways. Um, but, uh, you know, between Impact him and Star Weird Al Wars and Disneyland. Yeah, well, I'm always obsessed with Star Wars and Disneyland. At least I was yeah. then. Very much so. Captain Rex. <laughs> so kind of, yeah, so. Um, that's right. Uh, was it Flight of the Navigator, right? Yeah, Flight of the mm-hmm. Navigator. And yep. then in yeah. Disneyland proper, he's Captain Rex and then later DJ Rex. I, I am so happy. I was so sad. When they said they were getting rid of Pee Wee Herman's voice for the star, for the star, um, you know, the, the star, star tours, tours ride, yeah. But then, like, I went to the to the tavern in, in Galaxy's Edge, and there he was, and I was so relieved yep. to see him there. I was like, oh, he's still around, yay! <laughs> I was, Thank you know, cause, well, because the 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 it wasn't just his voice work; um, it was also the puppetry and the timing of the of the robot moving during the ride really sold the ride because he's synced up too to what's happening and you see him react and it, it just the whole the whole original Star Wars ride worked because you're back on by the way, Raven. Um, so Thank you. It, it was it was kind of incredible. Like like you know him and Jeff Parnell. I mean how how many they did so many of the voice the modern voices. I mean but then again. It's Disney. They always hide the best voice actors. I mean, come on, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Once again, Henry Styles mixed up animation, and then you got Nightmare Before Christmas, and he's in that too. Uh, you know, so uh, everywhere you turn, Gen Xers were just loving our Pee Wee Herman. And uh, Raven, what do you think that is? Even with all his transgressions and weirdness, because let's face it, he was a a a, a fifty year old man playing a, a man child. Uh, for most of his life, what what do you think right. endured him so much? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, for me, the the road between you know eight year old Raven watching Pee Wee's Playhouse and being allowed to watch his HBO special that was his Groundlings uh, project, which I and that. Raven. Yeah, Raven now, who decided specifically to go to the Groundling School because of Paul Rubens and Cassandra Peterson, um, a lot happened. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, 
that first his first arrest happened a week after uh trigger warning here uh, i was assaulted by a neighbor uh my my best friend's older brother and i had a very huge mistrust for adults immediately and to every just any adult and so when that happened i really didn't understand what was going on uh i didn't know what an adult movie theater was i just thought that meant it was a movie that only adults could see which is kind of right um but as i got older i realized like this is a bullshit charge in the first place <laughs> but it really was yeah. it really really was but i will say indirectly it led to one of the funniest things jim carrey ever did um so uh jim carrey's right. sketch about about him on in living color after that happened um was on point so funny and i know that right. paul Rubens ended up being uh, you know the butt of a lot of jokes but it was it, some of them were funny uh it, it's a funny situation in a horrible way i mean you got there is right. you can see the humor in it i'm sure even paul Rubens might look back at it maybe not laugh at it but he might be like yeah i can see why some people would have thought that was kind of weird funny um so um one thing he did say in interviews was like it's not like i went there wearing a peewee outfit and there were children no. around you know he had, no. he had grown his hair out he looked like a regular joe and um but even as a kid it was really hard to want to look at him for a while and i felt like right when my trust was regained was when that second arrest happened and that was also bullshit, but it took a long time to find out that was bullshit um, because Jeffrey Jones got arrested for not only having photographs of underage um, children, but also right. trying to hire children for his own photographs. And, um, and, and he did not take the hit that, he, that Paul Rubens did. Not even close. Right. Right. And so Paul Rubens, what was taken from his house was over a hundred magazines, and these were ma- they were like Victorian. I think the newest one was a hundred years old at the time of the arrest. So he took and, their, uh, that's a, his historic is, porn collection. That's just terrible. Right, right. They're like 1910 tintypes, and it turned out in these Victorian photos, as is quite common, there are nudes of teens basking like next to rivers that was very very unfortunately common at the time and another piece of evidence was supposed to be actual like um photographs like uh polaroids and then it came out later that that was put under paul rubin's name by mistake and so they wow. didn't even have their evidence correct and of what really they took from his house was out of his erotica uh, collection. And I understand too, like, you know, what, what's the distance that's needed between child pornography and historical documents? <laughs> um, about a hundred years, really. It's kind of like, yeah. what's the difference between um, looting and archeology span is about a thousand years. Uh-huh. Uh, so, as an adult, I'm able to understand that cops aren't always right, which as a child, I did not know that. And so uh, 
you know, starting to put it together by the time this Jeffrey Jones thing came out, um, really, it's just, I got to go by my gut in a way. Uh, like with Woody Allen, I can't look at his stupid face, but God damn it, Purple Rose of Cairo is my favorite Woody Allen movie. Thankfully, he's not in it. Uh, but I never had that same feeling where, like, I want to barf when I look at Paul Rubens. And mm. that's not to say everyone's innocent of, you know, <laughs> every single little thing he may have been uh, accused of. But um, I'm able to, in in my opinion, based on the evidence I see, I've seen, I don't think he's guilty of anything. Uh, but also I feel like if I'm wrong, I still I still feel like I'm able to disconnect enough. Um, and maybe that's because I knew of him before, but he's outlasting people who don't have that same experience. You know, not everyone <laughs> is uh, a child with this distrust of parents at that age. So what his longevity is due to is like, there's something, he's a Peter Pan. Even when he grows up, he's not growing up. Um, yet, his range is insane. And that's the same with Cassandra Peterson. Her, her Elvira is, is so perfect that she can, she doesn't need a script, you know? She can be Elvira anywhere. But then you see Cassandra Peterson and other stuff. And her range is insane. She's not always Elvira. Same with Paul Rubens. Holy crap. And you see him in stuff like Pushing Daisies and Mystery Men and these characters, no matter how small they are, his, you'll remember his character. Even in Flight of the Navigator, you don't even see him, but you yeah. remember him. You remember anyone. You're, you remember Pee Wee, <laughs> you know, Paul Rubens' voice. And the well, Beach Boys, and, maybe. <laughs> like, well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. I mean, right. what the, who everybody remembers. Emil and his long-dying death yeah. scene, to the point that he actually was on the Vampiric Council and what we do in the shadows. Uh, so, right. yeah, he's uh, so, I mean, it's amazing. And because of that, I've decided for the madness to make him a wild card this year. Yay. Uh, because, yeah. So. He has. Oh, he's amazing. actually played more than two vampires because he's done some voice work for some vampire characters too. I'll send right. you some links. Well, yeah, he's done yeah. a lot of. He's done so much animation. That's true, and he is a perfect voice actor. So that's going to be an excellent wild card, and we all miss him. But Nathan, before we go out and start and switch to a lighter subject, when you want to mention. Um, Adrian Street and uh, Tony Bennett for a few moments because they also um, right. I mean, what can be said about Tony Bennett? Like I mean, he's uh, he's Tony fucking Bennett, you know? It's, right. Yeah. If if you don't understand the significance of Tony Bennett, then you have homework, my friends. Um, Adrian <laughs> Street might be someone that a lot of you don't know quite as well. He was a uh, Welsh wrestler who was really big in the late '60s, all through the '70s, and up into the '80s. He was he was a, a wonderful dichotomy in that he was one of the first wrestlers to really lean into the flamboyant, androgynous type character, but he was known as one of the toughest motherfuckers in the business that could legit kick your ass. 
And I, I've always loved that. Because like, he would he would wear his wrestling gimmick out to the bar at night and dare someone to say anything about it. Which, I, I love that shit. Like, that's, he, he lived his character. And that's the kind of thing you don't see anymore. And, uh, yeah, he was a great talent and quite a character. So, Tony Bennett, Adrian Street, Paul Rubens, put up whatever drink you've got and make a toast to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it really much more I can say about this stuff. But, uh, you know, pro wrestling's been taking a pretty big hit. They've lost a lot of people this year. Um, they lost uh, one of their producers right. hats recently, too. Um, but, you know, if it, everything, you know, everything's cyclical. And uh, I am going to see on my birthday, uh, on the 50th, uh, my 50th birthday, in fact, uh, on the 23rd, um, I'm going to AEW Dynamite, but they then it's the it's the show before they go to England to do All In, and they haven't slated the card for All In yet. So and they sold out Wembley Stadium, by the way. Oh wow! Like, with the, sold they out. sold they sold out Wembley Stadium without announcing a single match. Just the name value alone, they sold out seventy thousand plus seats. So, and Mark Hardy wow. said, okay, so we don't know what we're getting on, on my birthday, because that's usually the show that they set up all the big matches for the, you know, for the big pay-per-view, which is that weekend. And I'm like, I really hope I get to see Will Ospreay. That's actually my one thing. If, the, the, if I could have a bingo card, the only two wrestlers I really want to see live at this point would be Minoru Suzuki and Will Ospreay. At that point, I think I would be satisfied. I really would be. So anyway, uh, but you know, and uh, Danhausen, who we're going to talk, who was at Michael Kingston's table um, at San Diego Comic Con, like I said, he's a huge like fan of Huey Herman, and basically, even to the point, he actually did in Ring of Honor a tequila match where they actually wrestled on a bar to tequila. So um, <laughs> he, he yeah, used to awesome. do a he, he does he in fact he probably still does a spot on his, you know, where he'll get on the apron of the ring and he'll signal the sound guy to play tequila and he does the peewee dance while kicking his opponent in the face while he does it. It's great. That's amazing. That yeah. is a marketable I, I would skill that, that needs to go to the top of a resume. Right? Well, it does. Dan Helden <laughs> is amazing. If he stopped getting injured all the time, um, he broke his leg two Halloweens ago and he's never quite been nice. the same. Uh, so yeah, no, it, don't break your leg. It sucks. Um, but, uh, I know that unfortunately Raven's been dealing with a similar problem. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, right, right? <laughs> but anyway, so now Raven, I know you're not going to stay for the rest of the show. Um, so before you drop off, why don't you plug your stuff? And if there's anything that you've watched recently that you want to talk about, uh, go for it. Yes, yes. So uh, actually, I was just in the middle of showing my good friend Escape from New York for the first time. So that's been pretty exciting. Cool. And I can kind of live vicariously through someone watching it. You know, uh, I, I kind of get to watch it for the first time again. Um, so starting tomorrow, I'm running auditions for a play. Uh, called They, Them, There, and surprise, surprise, it's a queer story set at a queer center. Um, 
Shirley, yeah. you <laughs> I don't, and do not call me Shirley. Thank you. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, three teenagers trying to – it's kind of like the breakfast club, only like with trans kids. It's pretty awesome. And then uh, their kind of pure counselor person used to be at the queer center. Uh, and it's we've had more auditioners sign up for this than I think the last thing I had this many auditioners for was the Who's Tommy. And that was like 20 years ago. So uh, we've got three just smush days of auditions. And then uh, the show will go up at the end of September at this really cool black-owned wine bar in uh, southeast Portland. And when I get more details, I will let you all know. But uh, this is produced, again, through Fuse Theater. All their shows are gay AF, give as your soul friend. Uh, so if you want to see some queer shit for free, come on over and <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, as far as watching stuff, I did start the new Futurama. I did, uh, I'm, I'm saving some of uh, Good Omens just because I didn't want to run out too fast. <laughs> mm. You know, um, and then yep. I've been binging because of that stupid show I was talking about that matched me abroad. And then damn mm-hmm. HBO going like, you'll probably like this. And I'm like, you'll probably like my fist in your dick. And then I end up liking their stupid show. And I can't stop watching these 90 day fiance shows. I think I'm on like my third iteration, oh uh, like on the sixth season. I don't know what it is. Part of it, because they replay so much shit all the time. Like, I can leave and come back, like, an hour later, and I haven't missed very much. Because anything important, they're going to show you over and over and over again. So maybe that's why. Uh, (laughs) But seriously, I've had that on on the background for, like, three weeks now. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're getting stuff in. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching probably at the back half of the show, but thank you, Raven, for coming on. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again in two weeks. It's going to be our big show because that's our, our final show of the summer uh, before we start getting into madness. So um, talk to you later, hang yourself up, my dear. And I'm going to bring on our guest. Been waiting. All right. Have a wonderful night, gang. Good night. So, bye. Dinosaurs. So, that was Raven. Bye, Raven. And I'm sure they will be back on the next show. And let me bring on uh, my guest right now. Uh, First, uh, I met them online. I'm not sure how I met them or who our mutual friends were. I would have to go back. I have like a thousand mutual friends now. So, it's like, it doesn't really help. Um, but this person, uh, but I knew they were going to have a booth at San Diego Comic-Con. And so the first time I went, I actually went and made sure I saw them and met them. Um, their name is Michael Kingston and they're the owner of Headlock Comics. Now, when I first met them there at their small little corner booth on the edge of the exits, um, of the floor, which actually is pretty good real estate, actually, um, I met someone there that I had no idea who it was really because I wasn't back into wrestling at that point. AEW hadn't started yet as far as I remember, which I was watching New Japan, though. Uh, but um, 
it, it was just starting to get back into like what we now know is the badass wrestling is awesomeness that we have in 2023. But Brody King was at his booth. And I've now seen Brody King wrestle live three times and um, is one of my favorite wrestlers. Who knew? <laughs> He's also a comic <laughs> artist and a musician. So all of this because of Michael Kingston. And um, I wanted to bring him on the show. Please welcome to the show Michael Kingston, San Diego Comic Con vendor extraordinaire. Everyone cheer. Woo. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Sexy How you doing? Are you alive, sir? I know you've been having uh, a real you know. <laughs> uh, concrete. How are you doing? Because I know that you also did a couple of shows back to back. Yeah, I did the uh, San Diego and Raleigh. I mean, I think at this point, I'm just, I don't know. I I never, uh, I never got COVID, so I don't know. Well, that's I've, good. I've eaten a lot of, you know, things that probably should kill me. So I don't know. I'm starting to feel like Bruce Willis when he lifted all those weights and unbreakable. Like maybe I'm just. You know, maybe I'm indestructible. I mean, you are you are wrestling adjacent, so maybe you're an apex predator. I've uh, I've definitely uh, I've definitely done my best to try to uh, you know try to try to bring my whole system down, whether it's <laughs> uh, you know four hours of sleep on average or you know double cheeseburger covered you know with uh, grilled cheese buns you know. Well, uh, <laughs> long, long kind to my flesh. Uh, Long as they're not a second season episode of Dark Side of the Ring, I think you'll be okay. I should be good. <laughs> yeah, you should be good. So let me welcome you to the panel. Uh, first of all, also, uh, where are you actually, sir, where are you located normally? I, I live in upstate New York, which is where okay. I am right now. Excellent. I actually wasn't sure because you move around so much where you actually were located. And I usually know that. <laughs> I usually know where most of my basic friends are located, so I was kind of surprised. So um, let me give you who's on the panel. Uh, you met them in San Diego. They are were my actual cousin-in-law, but now they're just my partner in crime and still on the show here. <laughs> um, and uh, our relationship endured, God damn it. Anyway, please welcome. Uh, this is Aaron, you met, and you met basically at San Diego Comic-Con. So how are you doing? Say hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. hello. Uh, what's right. up? How, how's it going? Hey, you know, I am uh, I'm uh, hanging in there. I'm about to have a nice little stretch of uh, of uh, calm, and then uh, September I've got five weeks in a row. So uh, well, you that, said that... Uh, this year's Comic Con was your your best so far. Yeah, by a pretty wide margin. Right on. That's awesome, and we're going to talk about that in a hot second. I first also want to introduce you to my other sexy witch. Um, this guy is the walk-in encyclopedia of pro wrestling, and one of the and he's a ring announcer and commentator down here in the south. His name is Nathan Hamilton. He's the son of Celluloid, and in the in this circle, he's the voice of violence. There's a lot of deathmatch wrestling uh, announcing on a regular basis. So please welcome each other, Mike, Nathan, Nathan, Mike. What's up? Pleasure, pleasure to meet you, man. Pleasure to meet you as well. You guys could top shock for years, like literally for years. It would be we, like Aaron and I would go and uh, go have a smoke if we had one, and then and, and and then you would still be at it, and it'd be like three weeks later. Uh, you know, and wrestling so nerds of the world unite, you know? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, once you talk about 
um, your Headlock Comics and uh, how you got involved with becoming a vendor um, on San Diego Comic-Con and then how it led to the booth that you had on this one, which you were sharing, but actually you went from one small booth to a huge, beautiful display, uh, and you survived COVID. So congratulations on that too. So talk about all, all the things. <laughs> um, it's a, well, it's a lot that happens over the course. I've been, I've been doing it for uh, about 15 years. Um, but when I started, uh, I just, I was a fan of wrestling. I was a fan of comics and I just felt like they, whenever they made wrestling comics, they were always kind of shitty. Um, you can tell, I think as a fan of anything, when something is made for money and when something is made out of love and it always just kind of felt like, you know, there were licensed books that people made when, you know, they're trying to hack out a buck. I mean, there's obvious, obvious exceptions, right? Like, whoa, Nelly's amazing whatever, but, like, nothing sustained. It was just, you know, one shot here, one shot there. The Raven uh, the Raven Tangled Web issue, you know, is a very uh, prominent one, too, that stands out as something that was good. But there was a lot of bad. And it just kind of became clear to me at some point that nobody was ever going to make the wrestling comic that I, as a lifelong wrestling fan, wanted to read. So I just decided to make it myself. Um and so I had uh, conceived of the idea of headlocks, um, and I uh, I took it to uh, took it to every publisher in comics, and I was uh, summarily laughed out of every pitch meeting I was in. I mean, literally, like a guy a guy from a very large publisher literally laughed in my face because um, wrestling and comics weren't really allowed to mix uh, back in. Uh, 2008, 2009. Um, I mean, I had uh, publishers. I had a, a town in my own store, or a store in my own town. The guy said that nobody would ever read it. Um, you know, all kinds of people throwing up uh, roadblocks at me and, and whatnot. So I kind of always knew that there was a an audience for it. So I just made it myself. Um, still make it myself um and i uh you know i started i started selling it out of my backpack at wrestling shows um and uh just sort of tried to grow it grassroots wise and then uh i was just fortunate that there was a guy i mean in terms of san diego there was a guy who had a booth at san diego um it was uh haven distributors it was originally cold cut which was an independent distributor and then it was bought by haven and the guy who worked for Haven really liked my book. He had met me in Chicago. We were exhibiting next to each other in Artist Alley. And he really, because he was also a creator, but he really liked my stuff. And so he invited me to San Diego. And then uh, as the years went on, like, I think they eventually uh, went out of business and they just basically let me have the booth. Um, and I've had it for basically in some form or another for 15 years. Um and that's how I started. Like I started, and then as I as I started, you know, growing headlocks, sort of, you know, grassroots wise. Like I would meet wrestlers who are comic fans. Like I met Rob Van Dam at San Diego Comic Con. I read. I met Hurricane at San Diego Comic Con, and they came and bought my books from me. And then they would all sort of reach out to me to tell me how much they liked it and how nobody was doing anything like this. And 
whatnot. And then uh, from there, I was able to convince uh, Jerry the King Lawler to do cover art for my books. And then we started doing shows. And then I had all these wrestlers that liked what I was doing. So then I started collaborating with wrestlers on short stories for what ended up becoming a sister title called Tales from the Road. And uh, we just, uh, we keep on plugging yeah, I've been doing it for, like I said, for 15 years. Um, I had a lot of obstacles thrown my way, uh, but uh, we uh, we keep uh, keep trudging forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, your booth was on fire like this year. Congratulations! Like, um, you know, you said you had your best Comic Con, but your guest list was just incredible, Nathan. Uh, who, did, who stood out for you on that list that you wanted to talk about and have him talk about? Because, I mean, we can talk uh, about well, any of them. <laughs> I mean, of of course, people are going to want no Scott Steiner stories, of course. But, like, the person I would be most interested in meeting there, because I've never ever gotten to meet him, is Danhausen. Yeah, we never actually met Danhausen, and we're all fans of his here. Was that, uh, how did how did how did your relationship with the wrestlers actually make an appearances at your booth to start? Uh, so Danhausen, I knew before Danhausen, Dan like before the makeup and everything. Like I've known him for a long time. You know, one of the cool things for me, I guess, is that since I've been doing this for so long, that a lot of the guys, you know, that are on top now, like I knew when they were on the Indies. Um, you know, I was just in Raleigh. Uh, for GalaxyCon last weekend, and Kevin Owens was there, and you know I sat and ate dinner with him at the in the green room on Thursday night, just because I've known him forever. Um, you know, I was backstage at Raw a few weeks ago. Um, I posted a picture on my Facebook of me with all the Judgment Day people, because I've known Finn forever. Um, you know, and uh, I've known Dom for a long time, but it's just a matter of just sort of being around the scene and knowing everybody and now everybody's kind of on top but I knew Donovan for years uh, before he had makeup when he was just uh, just an indie guy um, but uh, it's really cool you know sometimes we talk about how far he's come and it's, it's super super impressive um, Brody I've always liked his work um, you know and a lot of the California guys come to Comic Con so I uh I think I met Brody in Indie Show first, but I mean he's been to my booth at Comic Con like probably the last four years, not as a guest, but like last year he came through. He was a surprise guest for AEW at their panel because they did a thing where he and Tommy attacked uh, attacked somebody at the at the panel, um, but he came by and uh, took a picture. And the year before that he was there. And, He's been through a couple of times, and then we had obviously collaborated on Headlock Story, so um, with both of them. And uh, so let's talk about the convention itself. And I want to bring Aaron in here uh, because this was not like you know COVID. It's not really bounced back, but it was starting to bounce back from COVID era. But then, of course, the WGA and the SAG uh, strike gave uh, Comic-Con quite a last-minute hit um, this year. Uh, so, as a vendor, give your experience, and Aaron, you want to do, do some questions and back and forth. This is a good time. Just keep it casual, but talk about the vend- what, 
the differences and how it affected the vendor's floor and the overall mood of Comic-Con this year. Um, I've actually read some really good reviews, to be honest with you, about how, how well it went this year. It was a great year. I, I mean, from my perspective as an attendee, um, a lot of people were theorizing there'd be a lot more traffic on the show floor because nobody would be in panels because uh, there weren't the celebrities, the stars, and the actors to draw them there. So they have to go somewhere, and they'd go out on the show floor. I don't know if that's true. Um, the panels that I attended were pretty well attended, and the, the one section of the show floor that I did see a lot more traffic than normal was Artist Alley, which was actually the opposite uh, side of the hall from where you were located. What did you see as far as traffic? Um, it's hard because we always see a lot of traffic because of where we're located. I mean, we're right at the mm-hmm. main entrance. I mean, back in the day when I started, when DC used to be on that aisle, they used to actually let people in those doors first, and we used to see everybody before anybody. Like, we were, we would be the first thing. Like, us and Billy Tucci would be the first thing that people would see when they came through the mm-hmm. doors in Comic-Con. Right on. Um, but uh, it's fun. I mean, I always see a, a fair amount of traffic. Um, I'm going to have some sort of, I don't know, I want to say somewhat controversial thoughts about Comic-Con. Um, but last year I had a bad Comic-Con, and that was my fault. Oh. It wasn't the show's fault. Um, I just I had got put into a bad position by some people. I had no prep time. I wasn't able to get a guest list together. Like, I just sort of... Uh, came came to it without being able to really promote it and have the kind of guest list that I normally have or whatever. And it wasn't a great year, but I normally have hmm. a good year at San Diego every year. And a lot of people have no idea, you know, like I don't sell my books in comic stores. I sell my books through Kickstarter. I sell my books on my website. Um, hmm. I sell my books at wrestling shows, but I don't exist in comics but I always find a way to have a good Comic-Con. And I every year I listen to comics people complain about how Comic-Con isn't for comics anymore. And I disagree. Mm. I just think that Comic-Con is the Super Bowl, right? Like, or, okay, let's. but if we're going to talk wrestling, Comic-Con is WrestleMania. Too many people show up to Comic-Con with a house show presentation. And that's just not, that's not how you do it. Like, you can't just, you can't come to the Super Bowl out of shape. You can't come, you, it's, it's a different show. You know what I mean? It's one thing to go to a local show or whatever. There's a travel show. These are people that have seen everything. These are the hardcores of the hardcore fans. And you can't just puke your stuff on the table and sit there and expect people to, you know what I mean? Like, you got to chase your audience. Mm. I've been chasing my audience for years. And I think there's a lot of people who don't show up to Comic-Con with and give it the, the reverence that it deserves as, a, as an event. I always show up to compete. I, you know, last year obviously wasn't my year. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've had Jeannie Buss before, who's the owner of the Lakers. We had her in 2019. I've had Ric Flair. Um, we've, had all kinds of, we've had all kinds of stuff. One year we had uh, 14 people from Lucha Underground. Um, nice. Right on. We try to make a – we try to make a, a splash. I mean, we're in a section that is probably the most lightly trafficked section in Comic-Con. 
You know what I mean? Everybody's there for the toys, the exclusives, the, you know. Yeah. People are there for back issues or whatever. The indie section doesn't necessarily have the the traffic, or it's never going to have the traffic that the other areas have. So you've got to do something. And I just, I see so many people that don't do anything and then get mad that nothing happens. And hmm. I just, I don't know. Like, I think you got to, you know, like we try to make exclusives. We try to promote stuff. We get guys to cut promos. You know what I mean? Like we do stuff to, to you know, we come to the Super Bowl to compete. And, nice. You know. And we did it this year, too. And, you know, we had a great year this year. And I think we had the right guys at the right time with the right exclusives and whatever. And that was good. I mean, but I've had Scott Steiner before at my booth. I've had Jeannie Buss before at my booth. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Brody and Danhausen were a hit. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and so were, you know, Vikingo and Commander. And yeah, I, I was really I had Dolph Ziggler at my that. booth before. Um so, I mean, a lot of these guests were return guests, but they're still, like, we, we had fresh content for them. You know, we had prints for them. We had, uh, you know, I had the exclusive with Dolph and Brody. Like, San Diego isn't the place to, you know what I mean? Like, you got to bring your best there. And I think a lot of people don't bring their best. And then they bitch about cosplayers or they bitch about toys or whatever. And yeah. how it's not, you know, nobody cares, but they sit there and they don't engage with the fans. Like, we, you know, we try to talk to people. You know, we try to have cool stuff for everybody. We try to, you know, I've always taken my booth. I have the only dedicated wrestling booth at San Diego Comic-Con. Like, WWE will send some people, and AEW might send people to their partners. But there's no other mm-hmm. wrestling booth on the floor. So I take that very seriously because when I started, wrestling wasn't allowed at a lot of shows. Like, I got wrestling into probably, I bet you, somewhere between 15 and 20 shows. that had wrestling bands or didn't allow wrestlers you know, I would get Jerry in as an artist and then we would blow the doors off the place and then they would start booking wrestlers. But mm. for a long time, they didn't allow wrestlers at shows. So I don't know. Like I take my space very seriously as like the, you know, the spot for wrestling fans to come. And a lot of wrestlers will find their way there. If WWE has people. Usually they find their way over to my booth. If, you know, somebody else has somebody, you know, they usually find their way over. So if you hang out at our booth long enough, eventually you'll see most of the wrestlers at the show. But, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of my take on San Diego. I feel like it was a very good year this year, but I would attribute it more to our preparation uh, mm. and just sort of hitting things at the right time. I know a lot of other people seem like they did better, and maybe there were more. Maybe there was more traffic on the floor. Um, and I know a lot of people spend money on toys, a lot of people, you know. Sure. So, I mean, so I, I don't know. I you know, the, the Hollywood <laughs> stuff doesn't cost any money so it does take people off the floor where they can't spend money but all the Mm. hollywood stuff is generally free so it's hard for me to think that it would put that much more money onto the into into play but maybe it did i don't know um but that's how i feel about san diego i'm very passionate about it because i've listened to it every year and i'm like listen Mm -hmm. i I don't have the cachet that most of you guys have you know but (laughs) we still do our best to to draw people in. You well, sound like you're a very head down business first guy. Do you ever get a chance to hit the floor and look for other things? Or are you just there for your own stuff? Oh no. I usually, usually um, at least twice I get in on the show floor before it opens and I just walk around and I see everything 
and I kind of map out where stuff is. <laughs> um, I have a ton of friends that are creators, so I try to make sure I see everybody. Um, usually I use preview night for that, but this year we were, mm-hmm. we ran gangbusters on preview night. So, um, which I attribute to people wanting the, uh, the Brody Danhausen, uh, exclusive. I wanted that. We sold a bunch of those. <laughs> I would, I would have loved one of those, but I, I knew too late to tell Aaron to get me one. <laughs> oh, I have, a I wish funny I had... thing. it's okay. It's fine. I want to tell you a funny story though. Um, Ziggler, right? I actually don't have the pantheon of WWE in my head as well as I do New Japan and AEW. And I actually did, when you posted the photo of him, I didn't quite recognize him. And then right after that photo, I watched a Ziggler match on the TV and went back and go, oh, yes. <laughs> it's like so funny. <laughs> and he, he won a belt. It was an older match and he won a belt and it was awesome. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Anyway, I thought you might find that funny. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, uh, you know, Nathan here who can tell you like every match and who, what happened and where who was to the beginning of time to the end of time. I don't know about <laughs> that, but, <laughs> but um, but uh, so it sounds like though, like Hollywood was maybe not as missed as much as 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 it could have been. I mean, I'm sure some. I'm Aaron. I'm sure you missed some of it. Like you know, Hall H oh, yeah. is super super limited, but it sounds like you could almost walk in there this year, which is a silver lining. Yeah, um, I went to the uh, the Star Trek thing, uh, the overview, and. Uh, there was a, a little bit of a line, you know, you had to go uh, around the outside. It wasn't a straight walk in, but it wasn't too bad. And I found a seat fairly easily. Um, m- most everything was pretty good. There were a couple things smaller that I was surprised they didn't put in larger rooms. Uh, I had just gotten out of not the archer panel, but something like that. And that was it. Ballroom 20 was done for the day. Then I went around the corner to try and get into the uh, Beetlejuice anniversary with the Academy Award winning makeup artist there. And uh, there was a, yeah. And, and the line was just insane. And I don't think everyone got in. And why they would put something that that's an obvious, I, I, obvious to me anyway, draw like that in uh, a two, three room set up in the convention instead of something huge like Ballroom 20 when it was available and open. No idea. Comic-Con, I think, historically has a pretty small staff, and I don't think they're able to react to a lot of things quickly, and I think the strike happening a week out sort of left them, well, I'd say flat-footed, but I don't think that they were fully prepared for it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a, it's a tough thing for them. I do wish that they would do some things differently for, I wish that like in the future, I think, you know, if the Hollywood, if people do think that the Hollywood stuff makes it, they get a different on, difference on the floor, then they should make it nighttime programming, right? Start it at five yeah. o'clock and work it till 11 every night, like the biggest panels, ticket them. And then you don't have to deal with people waiting in line. And then, I mean, floor traffic dips at five o'clock when people start trying to get, you know, ahead for dinner anyway. So, yeah, I mean, then it's not that big of a deal. And then the people who want to, you know, who want to hit the the floor can stay busy. And then the people who want to 
maybe you know come in at, at the back end when it's when the traffic is a little bit lighter like that could happen too like it seems it seems like it would be a fairly easy fix you know just to just to do ticketed things you know just have another apocalypse lottery like hotels and badges and whatever yeah, yeah. let people let people fight it out on the secondary market but you know like it's i feel like uh i feel like there's ways that they could do this that where everybody could end up happy. We're happier anyway. I agree. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so did you guys, either one of you pick up anything cool on the floor while you were there? So for me, I didn't get on. Um, this was the one year that I wasn't able to get on the floor during hours just because normally uh. – Normally, I split my booth with uh, Terry Cronin of uh, Student City Unusual and uh, Stephen Shea, who does uh, a couple of different things. Uh, he's from Abysmal Films, and uh, they're able to sort of watch my booth when uh, when I'm away. But this year, I came by myself, and those guys weren't able to come for scheduling stuff. And uh, I think the strike really kind of messed up Stephen, and then Terry was in Japan. So... I had uh, split my booth with We Can Be Heroes, which is a comic store in Los Angeles, and they had a bunch of guests. But I didn't really have a lot of coverage for my space. And I had so many signings like I was, that I couldn't sort of leave. You know, it was sort of my own fault. But we kind of had somebody there almost every time. So I really wasn't able to uh, get on the floor to the degree that I would like this year. Um but also we were busy, which is a nice problem to have. I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm really excited that you were that busy, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, that, yeah, I, I'm sorry you were working the booth you're by yourself. I would have helped if I was there. <laughs> I would have. Um, but, I mean, I had um, friends that came in, you know, in and out for bits of time to help, like, manage some of the bigger lines and stuff. I mean, like the – the Brody Danhausen line on Thursday was ridiculous. The Jeannie Bus line was pretty crazy. So, I mean, I have people that come in and out, but the other problem is, right, like, I don't, uh, I feel like nobody sells my stuff like me. So, mm-hmm. I trust Terry that I, you know, I've, I've split the booth with Terry for years. So, he, uh, I trust him to sell my stuff. He does, he, he actually sells it better than I do, I think. But, uh, mm. you know, I have, you know, I have the credit card swiper on my phone, so then, you know, if somebody comes by and they want to pay with card, there's no guarantee they're going to come back. So um, it was trickier this year. I mean, I, I like to walk around and see the, you know, just see the the exhibits and the, the statues and the displays and stuff like that. That, for me, is the stuff that I love just because it's just there's nothing else like it. There's no other show here. here. And I was trying to tell this to Dan Housen, and we had Leva Bates, and Leva Bates has done a ton of shows, a ton of conventions. Dan Housen's done a ton of conventions, but neither one of them had done San Diego. And I kept trying to tell him, like, there's <laughs> nothing you've seen that's going to prepare you for this. Mm-hmm. And they didn't believe me. And when they both got there, they were like, holy shit. <laughs> it, 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 it really is overwhelming, though. Like, I took my evil genius, who was, what, 10? Not even 10 mm-hmm. yet, right? At the time. And they for reunite that was overstimulation just detonated <laughs> couldn't handle it it was just like oh my gosh and that was just preview night you know actually they rocked the panel 
days, but you know, it, it was just insane. You know, like it really, you have to train. I tell people you have to train here. for San Diego Comic-Con. You can't just walk <laughs> in randomly. You have to have a plan and a backup plan and then a third plan. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you really can't. Totally. There's nothing else like it. But that being said, you're on the road right now, Mike, and or well, actually, you're taking your break, but you're about to get back on the road. Why don't you plug your stuff and tell them where your next appearances are and where they can find you on the interweb so they can buy your stuff? Because, dude, buy um, your stuff. All of my stuff is Headlock Comic. It's one word. Um, it's my website. It's all our socials. I mean, if there's a social, we're probably on it. Uh, at Headlocked Comic, it's one word. Um, and then uh, it's uh, I got a pretty intense September because I'm probably going to have our Kickstarter launch then, and I usually like to have some shows to support it. So I'll be doing Austin Galaxy Con uh, the first week of September, and then Baltimore, and then I'm doing Flower City Comic Con, which is in Rochester, and then Salt Lake City um, all in a row. Uh, wow. So road warrior and the other thing that people probably well some people don't know but i still work full time so i work uh i work seven days a week i manage a fleet of truck drivers so when the show's over i go back to my hotel and i uh put out some fires i dispatch some drivers i yell at some people some people yell at me and then i try to squeeze (laughs) in a couple hours of sleep and then uh do the shows again so uh it's uh it's really a labor of love, but it allows me to take risks and maybe do some things. You know, I know my mortgage is covered. I know my electric's going to get paid. So I can maybe do an unconventional project or take a risk at going to a con and not worry that if I don't succeed that I won't be able to pay my bills. So um, it's kind of how I prefer to do things. It, it's a lot harder and I almost never sleep, but it's it makes it, yeah, it makes it much more uh, truthful for me, I think, in the long run. Well, if you're in Atlanta, because, you know, this is a pretty big wrestling town, please look us up and we'll come see you. Um, I've so... always wanted to go Absolutely. to Dragon Con. I've, in 15 years, I've never been to Dragon Con. So. And, um, honey, oh, I haven't either. Be fit. I haven't oh, they, they would They would eat that up at Dragon Con. Yep. Yeah, they would. Oh. For the longest time, I managed warehouses, and uh, so I could only sort of pick and choose what weeks I could take off, and it, it was always hard to get the uh, the holiday weeks off. So, you know, going to San Diego was like my summer week, um, and I tried to squeeze in something else, but it would always be really hard to get Labor Day off. It would be hard to get Thanksgiving off. Um, it would be hard to get Fourth of July. I, I used to go to Supercon all the time before Repop bought it, so that would be my like my holiday week that I took. So, but it's definitely on my list. Um, I think I may try try it next year as long as Galaxy Con doesn't run against uh, run against it because they'll bring me in as a guest. So it's uh, dumb for me to not do it. Uh, well, if you do do Dragon Con, please let me know because I'm not going this year, even though I was planning on it. But I just don't see it in the cards this year. Um, but next year for sure, I'm going to go. But I am going to go to the parade. Um, which is on a Thursday, actually, which is weird. But uh, anyway, thank you, Mike. I'm going to let you go because you need some sleep. 
and uh, you know, get get your energy. You Got to restore your energy. Get your green bar back to the special signature line. Play some AEW Fight Forever. You know, whatever you need to get back into the groove, and then hit the road again and uh, break a leg and a few torsos. And uh, it's always a pleasure <laughs> to hear from you, sir. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Pleasure Have a good evening. All right. Take care, everybody. So thank you very much, Mr. Michael Kingston. Uh, Headlock Comics, you can find it on the web. Like I said, one word, it right, comes right up. And, uh, you know, go see his stuff on the road. Uh, he's going to be in Baltimore. That show's pretty good. I almost went last year. They had MJF last year, and I didn't go. Um, but... Hmm. Uh, uh, I'm, per, was, I'm, I'm perusing the site right now as we speak, and oh my God, some of these covers, like, I want framed on my wall. Jesus. Yeah, no. Like, Waller was an artist. That's the first time I've heard that. Actually, that's how Jerry Waller got into the business. Was I had no he, idea. That's amazing. He, he, he drew co- uh, comic strips of the wrestlers, and they ended up showing them on wrestling, and that's how he got in and started meeting people and ended up, you know, in the business was as an artist. So it, it, what was it, that? It, hey, do you do you do you remember back in the day there was a, a angle? where he broke a painting of the Ultimate Warrior over the Ultimate Warrior's head. Yeah! Yeah! Ow, he, pa- he, he painted that. Shut up. No, that was an actual, that was a Jerry Lawler painting insane. that he broke over. Yeah. That is so cool. I want to go look that up on uh, YouTube right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you do that, Aaron, yeah, we're not yeah. done yet. Cause, um, no, no. I, you we didn't answer my talk. question. Yeah. All right, so um, talk about you know what? I had an amazing. No, no, I'm sorry. You go. No, no, you're first. No, I'm saying you got to. We're still on the Comic Con talk, so I asked about exclusives, but I didn't get you to answer your question because I had him answer it first because he was about to end up. So let's continue Um, the floor talk. I well, first off, he's right. There is nothing freaking like a Comic Con floor. And there's so much there uh, for everyone. I, 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 I just the the length and breadth and depth of toys and collectibles and as he was saying, back issues and everything else, just insane. I did an amazing amount of Christmas uh, shopping for friends. That was a hell of a lot of fun um, for myself um, because I am a lover of tiki mugs. I got myself the Pee Wee Herman tiki mug. How's that for a little bit of oh. horrible coincidence? But, yeah, it's a beautiful uh, mug. Uh, it's kind of done in a, a totem style on the front. It's Pee Wee and Cherry and um, uh, not Globy. Globy's on the back. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the computer. Oh, well. Anyway, um, it's fabulous. I posted pictures on, on the Book of Face. Um, the other thing that I got for myself that I, I really <laughs> was on, on the, uh, the fence about is um, apparently I am now a full-fledged, balls-deep uh, collector of Mattel uh, scary dolls because the oh. Draculaura doll – oh. 
so good. You, you, the Monster High line is really freaking fun. Um, you know Monster High, right? They even have a cartoon series and everything else. Remember but, my um, issue with getting that Mattel Elvira that was part of that? Yes. I'm yes, so yes. pissed about that. <laughs> I'm so pissed about that. Oh, my gosh. She was I don't livid. Oh, no, that was a mess. And then the last one that I got screwed on was the beautiful set they had of the Grady twins from The Shining that I missed out on. Uh, Son of a frickin' But, um, yeah, the Draculaura was gorgeous, and uh, it, it looked even better in person than it did in line. And then I go into the booth, and in the booth are the two people who designed the packaging, and it's bat wings that you open up. And I said, oh, my God, I'm done. <laughs> I told them, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you got me. Uh, uncle, I give. I give. So that that was uh, one of the big purchases for myself. Um, but, you know, not that bad, like 80 bucks. And then I dropped another, I'm guessing, 60 on the Pee Wee Herman uh, Tiki Mug. And, oh, I did pick up the Scream tabletop game at Funko Games. I was looking okay. at it online, and then I went over there, and the people in the booth were saying, oh, yeah, this is fun, and it's easy. And lately, I have had a problem with games that just the instructions are insane. Um, there's a, a fun one that I got that looks beautiful um, with Universal Monsters and everything, and everyone said, oh, it's easy to play. Uh, my friends and I sat down to play it after watching a, a video on YouTube that was at least 20 minutes long, maybe half an hour, on just the instructions of play, we were more confused. And I am never going to get my friends to play that game with me ever. But the Scream one looks kind of fun. I kind of wish that I could be Ghostface Killer and kill my friends. That doesn't look like that's something you can do in this game. But it looks like fun, so what the hell. Mm. And then... Um, Shag, who is a local artist who does stuff for Disney all the time, had a beautiful uh, Return of the Jedi anniversary tiki shirt. And uh, Natalie uh, sent me with funds <laughs> to get that and another shirt. And she's going to put those away for Christmas slash Hanukkah for me. Uh, so you bought your own Christmas presents? What was that? You you bought your own Christmas presents. Oh yeah, all the time. You know that's 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 the way we know we we're, we're getting what we want. And oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an artist that she likes, and I got her uh, a beautiful little shoulder bag from her, and uh, a fun little uh, artist cat pen that opens up. And uh, let's see, picked up a. First edition signed with this uh, cool little exclusive uh, double lightsaber pin uh, for our friend uh, who, who uh, contacted us because I was going and wanted us to pick that up for him. And then uh, I might have picked that up for another friend. Don't tell anyone. And then um, let's see. What else? Uh, Cameron, my brother, uh, was a big New Zoo Review fan back in the day. Kids show. Way uh-huh. back when, when he was a kid. So uh, uh, the the two principals and Freddie Frog were at Comic-Con. 
and they were doing autograph pictures. So I, I got that for Cameron. Well, um, in the end, it sounds like Comic-Con was as good as it always is. It just maybe a little couple less panel. The panels, you know, I think Mike's right. They just didn't have time to reorganize the panels, you know. And and I'm sure if Ballroom 20 was running while the Beetlejuice panel was running, there would have been less people at the Beetlejuice panel. Uh, you know, yeah, so. but I, I, it, there were a couple things I saw that they did on the fly. Um, I, they just, I don't know, for whatever reason, missed that one. And there was a ton of news out of Comic-Con, um, even if there weren't, you know, celebrities there to push it. There was tons of news in TV, movies, comic books, video games. Uh, Mortal Kombat um, has a, a, a new combat pack coming, mm-hmm. which is going to feature um, a, a bunch of characters from you know the classic games Takeda's in there Quan Chi um, but it's also going to have Homelander yeah Ermax in there Um, Homelander from the boys is going to be in there Mm -hmm. Uh, Peacemaker is going to be in there which I can't wait to see what that's like Omni-Man from Invincible voiced by J.K. Simmons yo is going to be in there as a playable character that's insane Oh, and, and the big news out of San Diego Comic-Con is that there's a new season of Invincible coming out. And there is indeed. I am so excited. And a special also. Yep. And the Invincible 2 poster premiered there. Um, Adam Eve is, is now going. Um, the spinoff um, from The Boys, what is that called? It's called like... Generation V or something like that? Generation V, that's yeah. it. So, you know, uh, Bad Superheroes, The College Years. That could be fun. Uh, that's coming too. That sounds like um, my college years. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, The Walking Dead Betrayal, which they described as a new multiplayer social deception survival game, is coming to PC via stream. Um, okay. There's a DC crossover comic series that I'm interested in um, hitting the racks in October called Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. <gasps> Seven issue series. What? You heard me. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, shit. So look for that one in October. I just, I just heard the moth in um, Nathan's wallet fly out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, buckle up, my friend. There is so much to to tempt us coming. Um, The one that I'm really interested for, and unfortunately I'm having problems with my MyPad, so I can't bring it up right now, but we're getting a Captain America werewolf series. That looks so goddamn bitchy. No way. He's ripping up Nazi tanks with his claws, yo. I need some of that shit. Oh, yeah. I need I'm a... that now. Yeah. Um, there's a, a live – well, we already knew that there's a live-action Borderlands movie coming. They've been talking about that for literally years, but we finally got a date on it. It's going to be August 9th of next year, and it's going to be written and directed by Eli Roth. What do you think huh. of that? Interesting. Um, we cool. got the – Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake, 
uh, release date and a lovely little uh, trailer for it. Um, we're going to be getting that this month, actually, the end of the month, August 31st. Um, oh, oh, Pokemon Ultimate Journeys um, has already aired in Japan, but the series is going to premiere for American audiences on Netflix starting September 8th. It is Ash and Pikachu's Farewell after 25 years of Pokemon Ultimate. So that's kind of a big deal. That uh, is a big deal. Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon Movies showed 20-plus new minutes of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, and it just looks nuts. Everyone's saying it's the best cinematic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since the first movie. A sequel's already in the pipeline. At the same panel, Nickelodeon announced that they've acquired the rights to all 193 episodes of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, so we could be seeing that fairly soon on Nickelodeon, which would be awesome. Uh, we got a new trailer for Harley Quinn Season 4, which has already dropped and is available on Max. We, we have um, already caught up. <laughs> that was the one TV oh, right show on. we caught up on. <laughs> so. Yeah, I love that show. That show is so much effing fun. Oh, I um, love that show so much. It, it's so wrong and so much fun. Freaking fun. Um, Marvel's doing something really kind of interesting with Secret Invasion, which um, wasn't that big a hit with fans or with critics, but it's kind of important for what's going on in the next phase. So uh, the first three episodes are on Hulu now through August 17th, and I'm wondering if that's something we're going to see more of going forward. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, Oh, oh, Spider-Man 2, uh, the sequel to the massively popular and critically acclaimed Spider-Man, Miles Morales, got a new trailer. Um, Venom looks awesome. Um, we got new looks at Craven the Hunter, Harry Osborn, and Mr. Negative. Um, it was revealed that Spider-Man 2 takes place about nine to ten months after Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and... Spider-Man 2 is getting a limited edition PS5 with a digital copy of Spider-Man 2. Pre-orders for that are open right now. In the comic book world, Marvel released a new teaser poster for X-Men. Uh, it's Who are the new X-Men? And uh, apparently 2024 is going to shake everything up with them. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, we're getting a sneak preview in the comics this November. We got a new trailer. Speaking of, sorry, X-Men, let me, speaking of X-Men, let me ask you a question. Do we get any info about X-Men 97? Yes. There was an excellent panel. Um, and honestly, if you were a fan of the original animated series, you, you, you're going to love this. I promise you. I guarantee you. Uh, X-Men 97, uh, the animated series, is coming to Disney Plus very soon. Um, and I, I'm such a fan of the original. The, the, the the theme yeah, song too. lives rent-free in my head. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it's just amazing. Um, the original director and producer, Larry Houston, is back on this one with a lot of the original voice cast. Nice. Hasbro announced a line of X-Men 97 action figures, um, and they're going to be set in the Marvel Legends line, if you know that Ooh. series of toys. Nice. That's the size they're going to be. 
Um, I ended up going to a, a fun little panel. And, again, I can't recommend this enough. Like Liz was saying, have a backup plan, have a backup, backup plan, and don't be afraid to just wander into something that catches your, your imagination and go, yeah, what the hell? I went uh, to the that's, how I, that's how I got into Discovery of Witches was just walking in. That's how I discovered Here Come the Mummies at Dragon Con. Yeah. So, yeah, we were a huge fan. So good. Go ahead. Go ahead. So good. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I, I, I kind of stumbled into Philip K. Dick, 71 Years of Illusions, Reality, and Humanity nice. in Science Fiction. And Woo! it was a blast. First off, and I'm not making this up, there is a huge controversy in the scholarly community as to whether or not they want to be known as dickheads. <laughs> and the more punk scholars are totally down at it and wear it with pride. And the older tweetier guys are not hip to it at all. <laughs> and that was fun in and of itself. But then I also learned uh, that there's this subgenre of speculative fiction, as they call it, called dream punk, which I had never heard the term before. And dream punk focuses on dreamlike states and their interaction with consensus reality. And if that isn't fucking Phil K. Dick's wheelhouse, I don't know what is. But so like really a, a scanner darkly would be an example. Absolutely. Of that. And that was actually brought up. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, Cronenberg obviously crosses that a little bit. And cyberpunk crosses that a little bit. And it was just really interesting looking at where it's been and upcoming projects as well. And that was a lot of fun. And another panel I stumbled into was uh, the spotlight on J. Michael Straczynski, who uh, the previous night had had his new animated Babylon 5 premiere. (coughs) Pardon me. He didn't really talk a lot about that, obviously, because of strikes and such. Um, But he did talk about his comic book writing. And he's, he's just a blast. He's this curmudgeonly kind of guy with a heart of gold and he talks a lot about his pal Harlan Ellison and it was a blast. So uh, it, it, all in oh. all it was, uh, go ahead <laughs> I heard that oh. Oh the, the <laughs> other thing that, that you know would be of interest for our, our um, I did get to see the Haunted Mansion movie it was a premiere for uh, gold members of the D23 thing and oh, I really enjoyed okay. that. I'm ready to see that again. Actually, I enjoyed it so much. And uh, the other thing uh, for our kaiju-loving friends, of of which I count myself among, uh, we are getting Gamera Rebirth, a new six-episode animated series coming to Netflix September 7th. uh, Awesome. I'd heard about it, but I didn't know we had a date. That's awesome. They showed an exclusive edit of the first episode. Um the premiere and uh, the trailers now online. And of course, Gamera is really neat. He is full of turtle meat. We believe, we in, believe Gamera. in Gamera. That's right. Exactly. He's a friend to children everywhere. Oh. I mean, and, you know, like, seriously. Um, we got a Godzilla and, you know, movie coming out, too, you know. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. It's going to be so cool. And then, you know, <laughs> there was tons of cosplay. I took a bunch of pictures and posted them. 
Um, uh, Star Wars Outlaws is this massive multiplayer online with brand new worlds, and it looks fabulous. I saw the trailers uh, for that. That looks amazing. It really does. It's gorgeous. And um, I'm interested to see if the play matches it as well. Um, we got the new Futurama. Um, they told us a little about, about the season. We got some spoilers. Um, we got to see the last episode and the first, uh, the last episode of the last season, which was 10 years ago, for God's sake. Beg your pardon. And then we got to see the first episode of the new season, um, which is now up on Hulu. All right. So let's change uh, course because it's actually getting kind yeah. of late. And yeah. I mean, we, we could talk another hour on San Diego Comic-Con easily, but we got to make sure we give a shout out to Midsummer Scream, which also happens so a week later, which is the, um, you know, I, I've been a I've it's it's I've been a huge fan. You know how much of a fan of these guys I were, and I've never actually been to the con. I just knew that they were doing. And when we first met mistake. them, they were a small con, and now uh-huh. they're like the largest of their kind. And exactly uh, so, right. how 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 did that show go this year? Um, smooth as silk. It was um, professional, and maybe even a little better run than Comic-Con from, from day one, from preview night. Uh, there, there was a lot going on. Uh, I hit the Haunted Mansion movie panel, which was, I don't know, kind of mid. It didn't really give us a, a lot other than, you know, what Danny DeVito is like on set, which I guess if that's your thing, that, that's great. Um, but that that panel kind of, really needed some actors with it instead of the editor and one of the producers. Uh, We did get the Saw X trailer premiere and there was a Saw 10 uh, installation down on the floor that was kind of cool. Oh, the Winchester Mystery House is celebrating its 100th year as an attraction. And they're doing some fun stuff for Halloween. I really... I'm trying to talk uh, Natalie into going up there for that. So fingers crossed on that. Um, the du- the Boulay brothers were amazing. I'm so glad you got to see um, them. I love them so much. So cool. Just a delight. Um, I bought their Halloween masks of themselves, and they autographed it for me, and I took a picture with them. Uh, okay. The panel was fantastic. Um Natalie, I think uh, her highlight was probably when we uh, got to meet uh, Harvey uh, Goulier, who plays Guillermo de la Cruz. Go- yeah, um, Harvey Gullen. Gullen? Is it Gullen? It's Gullen. He's amazing. Totally. And I, remember, I actually I met, met him. I, I met him, remember? Like, in, in candidly, in Comic Con. I said, I really have to thank you. You bumped into my cousin and their kid, and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, at Comic-Con you bumped into them, and you were delightful. And he was just being silly and fun. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm now collecting obsessively um, horror Funko Pops, so I had him autograph my Funko Pop of Guillermo 
and we took him Hi. out, and he he colored Guillermo's steak uh, red, and, <laughs> and then he wrote on the side of the box, "Why is there blood on my steak?" <laughs> okay. And he was he was delightful, and again, uh, did a whole bunch of shopping. I bought a a gorgeous, beautiful uh, uh, Frankensteinish tiki mug, and there's pictures up on my thing. The oh. Hall of Shadows, which is always, always amazing, was going off this time, uh, this year. Um, keeping in the theme of games for the whole convention, the front of the Hall of Shadows was Dungeons and Dragons themed. And it was just oh. bitching. And again, the Hall of Shadows is like better than a dozen um, haunters from all over, including uh, actually... Uh, Winchester Mystery House, um, and they all do little individual setups like mini mazes, and it's just a blast. There was a Twilight Zone one that was so much fun. And then uh, Universal Horror, Hollywood Horror Nights, I was there, and they announced a a bunch of stuff. (coughs) Pardon me. Um, We got the names and details on a couple mazes, including Chucky, Ultimate Kill Count, Instead of just being part of the uh, the tram experience, Chucky's going to have his own maze this year. Uh, the Exorcist Believer is going to have its maze. The one I'm most excited for is Universal Monsters Unmasked, which takes place in the uh, catacombs and the sewers under the Paris uh, Opera House. And we're going to meet up with the classic Universal uh, Monsters and Slash is doing the music for that. That'll be a five-pointer during the madness this year. Right on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they announced they, they they announced also all the mazes at Orlando as well uh, last yep. week. So uh, we're getting a this is a uh, uh, the 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 what's the name of the movie, TV show we just watched with the mushroom zombies. Oh, oh, yeah, Last, no, the last, last of Us. Last, last, last of Us. Last of Us, yes. which apparently is going to be themed more on um, the video game rather than the series, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, and, and Stranger then, um, Things. We're getting yes. the Stranger Things environment. Vecna, Vecna's going to be in the maze, yo! That'll be and, insane. And the Demeters, uh, the Dementors, of course, it'll be the second year in a row that the Dementors get their own environment, which is like... I didn't understand why when they built Harry Potter World that they didn't immediately incorporate that into the Halloween event because you know right it, you know and the, look at <laughs> well Rafe, the Death Eaters are so fucking cool walking mm-hmm. around and interacting with them yeah it it and it, it's like you say it, it's just a little kind of you know walkthrough thing but it's so cool and then um, not Scary Farm. Is Yay. having its 50th anniversary, Yay. and um, here, here to tie in with what we were talking about previously, I actually uh, literally bumped into Pee Wee at a Not Scary Farm when Elvira was doing her shows there live. Aww. He was in he was in disguise, and it was a bad disguise uh, as a <laughs> beatnik with you know a beret and the little mustache and beard, but it was so obviously him. <laughs> But since he was trying to be in disguise, I didn't say anything, but it was pretty fucking cool. Um, for Scary Farms 50th, they're not given, they didn't give us any uh, real details 
on mazes and such because they're holding that off on their own paid-for preview, which uh, tickets went on sale Monday and sold out immediately. But they did give us some deets on the merch, and the merch is insane. Uh, It's like Disney levels of merchandise. They're going to have 50 collectible pins. There's going to be a mess of shirts, lounge fly bags. And the thing that I'm most excited for, there's an RFID interactive lamp that you can take into the scare zones and the mazes, and it interacts with it. <laughs> that, that reminds me. I need you to go to Knott's Berry Farm and go to the Berry Tales gift shop. There's a couple things I need uh-huh. there. So okay. uh, we'll have to talk about that off air later. Uh, I picked you so. up a really cool ash pin. You did? At, uh, I, at a I, I found an artist who did her own shit, so it's not something you can get, pardon me, anywhere else. She makes her own stuff, and it was really cool. I, or I liked it. Well, thank you so much. And yeah. we'll talk about it, um, you know, off air at some point because mm-hmm. you're going to have to send it out here. So, yep. you know, oh, oh, and uh, the other thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, just, just one quick thing. He's Columboing us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wouldn't that be great? I could have a cigar and everything. Um, yeah, because I need that right now. Um, I got my tickets for Creep IE. The IE is abbreviated for Inland Empire. It's a show I went to last year that I really enjoyed. It's kind of small, but it's uh, in Bufu, Egypt, Riverside. And because I got my tickets in advance, they gave me an autographed chopping mall poster, uh-huh. which is hella cool. Who's on it? Um, good question. Where did I put that fucker? Um, I'll take a picture of it and post it for you. Yeah, because I mean, the funny thing is, is that you know, there's chances we can get at least Kelly Marooney, Kathy Mary Stewart, and uh, Jim Wynowski on it. Right. Yeah, because those guys do the concert games. So yeah, they do. So that would be cool. <laughs> we'll just pass it around like a hoe. Get all the stuff. <laughs> I think you mean as a hoe. As a hoe. As, as a, a hoe. hoe. As a hoe. I I don't know. I I I should. I should be better than that. I just felt like cussing. Anyway, um, <laughs> so awesome. Well, Midsummer Screen sounds fantastic as always, and I'm you, always you super, both super really jealous. have to come out for it. I I, you, I you would love to. to. I would too. You seriously oh have to. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've never even been to the goddamn aquarium in Long Island, so I I I have some like makeup to do because <laughs> that you know it's on Long Island, right? Is that where it is this You year? mean Long Beach? Or Long Beach, sorry. Long, Long Island Beach is in New York. York. Long Beach, yeah. 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 I, there's yeah. an aquarium in Long Beach. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've never actually been to it. So, there's like a uh, dozen things I need to take you out to here. Uh, I've never taken you to the Monastery of the Angels, where the nuns make their own peanut brittle and pumpkin bread. I've never taken you up to the Hollywood sign. Uh, Which is its 100th birthday today. Museum of Death. Got to go to the Museum of Death, yo. Yeah, um, I've never been to the Museum of Death. And, well, Golden we Apple have, comic book. We have to time it while we're there, while we have tickets to a PWG show. That's just going to have to be the way 
we do it. Right. So, and then when that happens, we will be able to build a whole trip around that. It'll be awesome. So <laughs> maybe it, Maybe we'll be lucky and it'll be like the same time, like a really good PWG summer scream, but who knows? But, um, you know, so uh, anything else up the pipeline, Aaron, like, like any other conventions and appearances? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a really cool one coming, uh, Days of the Dead, which they're doing in LA, and it's also going to be combined with destroy all monsters and a bunch of uh, kaiju uh, personalities are going to be there. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the deets on that, but that's coming up shortly. Uh, Creep IE coming up in the inland. Oh, what else? Too much stuff. <laughs> Too much stuff. It's always a lot of stuff in LA. Um, I don't have, oh, I mean, it's not quite yet spooky season, which suddenly our or dance cards will fill up, but um, mm-hmm. I do have tickets. Well, I have tickets to see Hedwig and the Angry Inch um, at Actors Express, which is a, a small indie company here in Atlanta. And as, apparently, they're doing so well that they've extended it for three more weeks. It runs through the end of the month, so it was only supposed to be a wow. two-week run. So, so I'm taking my evil genius next Wednesday to see Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And then I have the ringside tickets to AEW on my actual birthday. Uh, so that, those are the next two big things coming up. Uh, but there's quite a bit up the pipeline. There's even a trip possibly to the Okie uh, Drive in in a drive-in review. Uh, we're going to try and incorporate Jessup drive-in into that trip. Uh, what else do we got, Nathan, up the pipe? We got, oh, Silver Screen Spook Show is this weekend. Yes, they're and showing... Oh, go at for the it. Earth, at the Earth's Core, which is a Hammer uh, movie with Carolyn Monroe. Yeah, so, I know that one. Google the fucking poster. It's it, Their posters are always choice. This is some of their best work. Absolutely. So check out. It's a great poster. Uh, what else, Nathan? Pull some stuff out of your ass. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what all we have coming up, but I know what we did the, over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah, we went to the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. We did. Which, we did. Yes, we did, which is we the last few years we have only gone on Sunday, but all week all week long, I'm mean, not all week long, all weekend long, it's every kind of gaming you can think of, tabletop gaming, computer gaming, console gaming, arcade gaming, like everything you can think of. Guests, Model painting. Yeah, just, everything. Mm. But we always go on Sunday because we hit the last day of the giant pinball arcade everyone brings all their pinball you get to see the brand new games you know previews of stuff that isn't even out yet and it's amazing um the best thing i saw my favorite one i saw that's new there um there's a cool james bond pinball table coming out and it comes in two versions the dr no which is the standard version and the oh god what was the other one you yep. only live twice. You only die twice, yeah. That was um, that's the deluxe version. And this is one of the first times that I've actually liked the standard version better. The Doctor No one seemed to actually play better because even though it has less moving parts and less bells and whistles, but it's a more balanced game and you know, it, the you know, the whole thing seems better designed. Uh there's a new Venom game 
which oh, that insanely is, popular. That is the fastest pinball game I've played in a long time in that the ramps are steep. And so the it makes the ball move really fast across that table. So it is a breakneck pace on that game. It's pretty cool. Um, there's a new Foo Fighters uh, game from the company that brought at the uh, the Iron Maiden game. And like so the Iron Maiden. yeah, they're and they had all of our favorites. You know, they had the Godzilla machine. They had a bunch of them, and they had Centaur, which is one of my favorite all time tables. And my eternal nemesis, flip a card. (laughs) One day I'm going to beat it. One day, but it was an absolute blast. It's, you know, it was what, $25 to get in? 25 bucks on that Sunday. And it was for five hours of hundreds of pinball machines to choose from. And it's not not just pinball, There's, there's plenty of 80s stand up cabinets. Uh, there's an entire wall of various DDR type games. Uh, they have an entire they have tourneys all over the fucking place. Hey, DDR. Um, yeah. Uh, there's also no. Don't, don't, no 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 no. Don't you mean beat beat revelation? Oh, I yes, do, do. you do. Beat beat bitches. Yeah. <laughs> there you they go. They have they have those weird sit down <laughs> Japanese arcade games. They have a whole three banks of those. Um, you know. Oh. Uh, and it was twice the size of it was last year. Uh, last year it was like one half of it. This year they had the door open and it was both halves. It was two ballrooms. Yeah, and they um, cool had, games. And clearly they were um, there was a uh, pinball uh, tournament because they had some uh, some of the games put aside and barred off. You couldn't go play them. Uh, and that's where the Mars Attacks I was looking for was. By the way, Nathan, they put it. In oh, the you tourney. finally found it. Yeah, it was in the tourney. Uh, so they only had one machine, and they would put it in the tourney because everyone wants to play it. That you know, that that, that machine is still popular to this day. It's okay, one thing I one thing I thought was really cool that I don't remember seeing last year, but in the back there was a, these guys had a booth where they were repairing pinball machines, and you could go and watch, and they would actually teach you. They were doing like it wasn't official, but they were doing kind of unofficial workshops on how to repair pinball machines, which that's dope. Like that's a skill that not a lot of people have, and a lot of people, if they're gonna, you know, a lot of people want pinball machines, but if they mm-hmm. break down, you know, where are you gonna find a repairman? So that's really cool that they're sharing that knowledge with everybody. You know, I am constantly, constantly seeing various parts of pinball machines uh, for auction on eBay all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering who the hell is doing stuff with this. And I guess now I know. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of a big deal. Like I, like in where I, I had a pinball machine when I lived in Maryland, I had a Gottlieb uh, 1984, a five rock, uh, which has got a great sound card in it, by the way. Um, in the back, Best back cover ever. It's so 80s metal, it's hair metal. It's it's just wonderful <laughs> machine. But the reason why we got it because it broke a lot, and we were trying to oh. learn how to fix it. Um, you know, it, you know, little breaks and stuff like that. But only one company in New York City that was making rubbers that fit that size, and they had to custom job it for us. Like they had a book with specs of all these pinball machines and you had to order the, the and, and they would make the rubber cus, rubbers custom to your machine. 
And so there are not not very many places like this left, you know, so giant art. And with the resurgence, again, we need more people to learn how to use now. They're they're more and more computer-generated nowadays. I mean, what, most of the new machines, right, they they have, like, a a video screen at this point. Some have Mm -hmm. fake dot matrices, and I like that. Like, the... There's a reissue of some of the 90s ones. Some of the best ones were from the 90s, Dot Matrix pinball machines ever, including Adam's family. Um, but uh, there's, mm. there's, a, there's some new ones, and they do a recreation of the Dot Matrix. They actually don't make it look any more fancy than that, and I like that a lot. So They had um, one. They had one game that I I couldn't play because I, I was too tall for it, honestly. But oh, they uh, – they had a pinball machine that they had rigged the the uh, flippers to foot pedals. It was weird. And and wow. put a and put a seat in front. And it was a dri- It was a driving themed game. I don't remember which one it was, hmm. but you you actually controlled the left one with your right, you know, left foot and your right one with your right foot. And like, had they had a taller seat, I could or had it actually been a car seat, I could have done it. But like, it was a very interesting uh, interesting twist. On an old favorite, you know, I'd never seen one that had been rigged up like that before. Huh. Yeah, I never seen it either. It was really, really weird. Um, and, and you couldn't really like stand on them. You had to kind of put your feet above them and then push down fast. So it was kind of weird and awkward. I wasn't a fan mm. of, of, of it, but it was a kind of a cool idea. You know, <laughs> I was like, ah. So, yeah, no, it was, and it was a good show as usual. They had a good comic book uh, vendor on the main floor. The, the, this floor, the, the ballroom is set aside, and then there's a, a vendor's floor, uh, you know, vendor's room, which in the middle, they put the tabletop gamers in the middle, and then the vendors are on the out, outer edge, and you can walk around in a circle around them. Um, and uh, I actually really fa- nice. I found an issue of Chamber of Chills that I needed. Uh-huh. So now, now I only need four more to have an entire run. So, they, and, I found a good rare, yeah. a good rare Bronze Age Marvel horror anthology. Excellent. Yeah. So yeah. So all of us have been doing some re, uh, some conventioning. Uh, so what is D twenty three, Aaron? It should be coming up, right? Uh, no, I think we got another year to wait. And um, another year. Is announced. Yeah. They 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 do. Uh, D23s every other year, like oh. Star Wars celebrations is um, D23 Expo. That's a good question, though. Let's see. Is there a 2024 announced? Um, no, we expect, but we haven't heard yet. Oh, okay. So, interesting. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about, like, october things a little closer in, but let's look at our calendars. I definitely, we definitely have a hard date for the next episode. It has, it has to be the 16th, which is two weeks from today, uh, because they, yeah. the week after that's my birthday, and then, uh, but there's, you know, but then, you know, it could, it could the 30th. I have to look at the depending on the madness schedule. Then we hit the madness. That's actually the 30th starts madness. Right. So, um, so we definitely have to do a show on the 16th, um, and. Um, so, people, if you're still with us, <laughs> come back then. I don't know what the subject will be, but um, one of the things I know for sure is I will have a review of The Voyage of the Demeter 
under my belt at that point because I am going to go see that fucking movie. I am so far behind on films. I have not seen the Barbie movie. I have not seen Oppenheimer. I have not seen Spider-Man Across the Universe. I we did haven't seen get... Co- we haven't seen Cobweb. We haven't seen Talk to Me. Like, we, there's all kinds yeah. of stuff we need to go see. I did get Dial of Destiny in. I got the Indiana Jones oh. movie in. Um, yeah. And what is I, ac- I actually really loved it. I did. Right I, I was surprised. Like, like I wasn't expecting much from it. I was expect. I felt closure watching it. Um, mm-hmm. It's. I I was amazed that they actually took something that I am definitely afraid of and used it in an Indiana Jones movie. Because one thing is, everyone's always scared of Indiana Jones movies, like the snakes and stuff and the bugs. And I've never sure. been scared of any of that stuff. I was scared of the melting faces. For years, I couldn't really watch that sequence very much. Um, but um, but um, have you seen it? Yes, I went to the premiere. Okay, okay, yeah, that's right, you did. The Maury Eels, the pissed off ribbon. Oh yeah. I am. I am definitely afraid of Maury Eels. Like it's one of the like I, and centipede. And guess what's in the, that movie? <laughs> Giant, yeah. It's like it was like that movie was made for me. That was the only way I can explain <laughs> what that watching that movie was like. It wasn't like it was amazing, but it needed to happen. And I now feel like that the characters in a good place and Marion's in a good place, and I can leave them and move them on, yeah. move on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, Nathan still hasn't seen it yet, so no more spoilers. That I, yeah, yeah, no he, spoilers. He got spoiled on the Maury Eels, so I... Um, <coughs> yeah, but he doesn't I, know I, where I, they are. No, and he doesn't know... And he, and he doesn't know I would assume else. they're in the water. Well, oh, yes, man. Oh, my, you have seen it. Okay. Oh, oh, I have the dates for you for Days of the Dead plus All Monsters Attack in Los Angeles. Uh, Friday the 25th, uh, it's an evening thing, 5 to 10, and then Saturday and Sunday, 26th, 27th. This, this month? month? End of this oh, month. month, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. That, Days that... of the Dead and All Monsters Attack, one ticket price covers both shows. Oh. Go to All Monsters Attack and then oh, fuck yes. boycott, days, and boycott Days of the Dead. Oh, that's, that's, that's a You personal... don't like Days of the Dead? Oh, we have serious beef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I used to be one of their programming directors. Oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. I had no yeah. idea. Mm, yeah, yeah, we, we we got. I'm, I will not start. <laughs> I will refrain from going there. <laughs> However, it, we we met. We became partners in crime, and right. and you know, and we know the rest is history. So here we are. So yep. am I? But am absolutely, I first... go to the kaiju. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's fucking kaiju, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> seriously. Since so, we're talking about what we're I watching, I can get a picture um, with a guy who's Shin Ultraman, yo. Oh, uh, so fucking cool. Since we're talking about so what we're watching, cool. am I the only one watching Twisted Metal? Um, is that on the paper Peacock, or can I see that without paying money? Uh, you can see the first episode for free, but you got to pay for the rest of it. But I, I, we get Peacock free because we have Comcast cable, so. Gotcha. Or a Comcast Internet. Um, it's it's it has almost nothing to do with the games. It's interesting. They set up they set up a whole new 
world with the same characters, but oh my god, Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth <laughs> is played the actual physically, you know, played by Samoa Joe of uh-huh. AEW fame, and yeah. Will Ar- Will Arnett does the voice. Yep. And oh my god, the like the combination of the two, this character is is delightful. I love it. Like every second he is on screen is amazing. Like I'm, what I'm a... I saw from the trailers looked really good, and you know I'm a fan of the the writers from uh, uh, what was it? One guy from Deadpool and another guy from something else I like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it looks like my kind of shit. I'm totally enjoying the show. It's it's goofy. It's silly. It's violent. It's it's just it's good stuff. It's good stuff. My understanding was that rather than pulling from just one game, they'd used a bunch of different elements from a bunch of different Twisted Metal games. Yes, that is true. Okay. And ma- right mainly, mainly, it doesn't follow the storyline of the games at all. But a lot of the characters make appearances. Mm-hmm. And, a, and not, a lot of the characters and a lot of their cars right. make, appear, make appearances. But it's... It's kind of a, a post-apocalyptic stuff is very popular right now. So they kind of set it mm-hmm. in a post-apocalyptic world populated by the characters from Twisted Metal. I'm down. And, and it works. Like, it's, so far, it's working. For, I'm, I'm in episode five, I believe, and it's totally working for me. Uh, do you know how many episodes total? Ten. Nice. Ten. And, yeah. and, they're, and they're half-hour episodes. It's a quick watch. It's, you know, it, it's fun. It's good. It's good junk food. Junk food to satisfy your sweet tooth. <laughs> I see what you did there. And we also have been watching a lot of schlock, and a friend of ours named Mike Church sent a box of um, really B-rate indie horror films with lots of bad acting and uh and would be a better film if they had better budgets, but they're good movies. Oh, there you know was, there's, one, there's one called Evil Feed. It was which, weird. <laughs> it's the story of a organized crime boss who runs a Chinese restaurant, but also has underground fight cage fights to the death in the basement where they make the losers into food. Sure, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one called... <laughs> There was one called The Lurker, a pretty decent low-budget slasher. It wasn't anything special. But I want to talk about one movie that has an amazing title that kind of pissed me off. The movie is called Stabbed in the Face. Like, that's a great title. Yeah. Stabbed in the Face. This movie is 80 minutes long. There is a lot of a lot of dead bodies, a lot of nudity in it. But it's 52 minutes into an 80-minute movie before someone gets stabbed in the face. Yeah, no, uh, seriously. The movie's Wait, called no, Stabbed in the Face. Of the 12 dead bodies, only two of them got stabbed in the face. And technically, it was the mouth and the eyeball. Yeah, no one, no one got like through the cheek or anything. Pretty good movie, but they wasted a <laughs> great title on that one. <laughs> Ooh. I also we also watched it was um, the head Hauntress's first watch of a, a cult classic that I love called uh, the Fear. 
There's a movie from the the mid-90s about a group of students who go to a remote cabin to have a group therapy weekend. And they have a very creepy wooden doll, a life-size wooden doll by the name of a Morty, who they use as a uh, almost a confession doll, I guess. And hmm. horrible things happen. It's a it's a fun movie. It's schlocky. It's good. And it was also a watershed moment for horrorcore rap, as the soundtrack was like. It's considered a classic in that scene. I mean, it's got the Gravediggers on it, Esham, Half Pip, Machete, uh, ICPs on it, the Black Peters, like all kinds of great music on this thing. But the movie is a lot of fun, and there's a a lot of really good special features on it. Like a lot of people, you know, twenty years, you know, twenty five years. Oh God, I'm old. A lot of people who were in the uh, in the movie talking about like a lot of the challenges that they had then and they, they filmed it at Santa land at Arrowhead, uh, Arrowhead Lake. And they mm. go back and walk through it and kind of show, you know, the, where they shot and how it's different now. And it's, it's really, I got it at, during the, uh, reopened. yeah, I got it, it re- during the vinegar syndrome sale that happened a while back. And oh, of course, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they always, you know, give all these movies the attention and care they need and like, make the package up great, you know, all the features, everything you could ever want. So The Fear is a cool movie. I recommend all of you check it out. Uh, it, 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 it was a weird movie. I, I have no idea what that movie was about. And, and, and Nathan said that he's seen it several times and doesn't know what it's about either. Uh, it, it, it's very convoluted, but it was entertaining. So <laughs> that was at least good. It was a very strange movie. Uh, and one more thing about before we leave for the night. Uh, uh, we had the director from uh, last Comic-Con. Uh, you brought on the director from Lumpia with the Vengeance to talk about yeah. his super hell. He made an announcement at Lumpia, made an announcement at San Diego Comic-Con because they've actually been there three, presence three years in a row now. Um, they're finally getting a, a v- VOD digital release, and that Woo! is October October 3rd. So, hooray, congratulations. Nice. We like distribution deals. No Woo! doubt. And uh, so, yeah, so go watch Olympia with a Vengeance and then go to Tubi and binge all the FP movies. So, uh, they kind of yeah. the same, similar universe. And, and, and Frankenthug. It's on Tubi as well, I believe. Oh, that's right. It's really? Right yeah. on. Uh, Gucci. Uh, and so we'll, we'll meet back here two weeks time at the 16th. I'm not quite sure what the subject's going to be, but I'll probably figure it out by then. Uh, it is the, like I said, that'll be our last quote unquote traditional episode, uh, before we go into madness mode. Uh, but there are vampires in our future and we have, gold, you know, get ready for that. That'll be awesome. So I'll leave you tonight with, uh, well, go get yourself a tequila and I'll play us out with tequila. What do you think? So once again, we love you, Paul Rubens. Thank you for everything. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you, everyone. Blessed be good film hunting. And uh, go outside. No, don't. Just stay inside because it's too hot. Have a good evening. Drink tequila. <laughs>